Hi, I'm Martin Curtis, and this is the One in Ten political podcast, exploring one nationism and political reform in roughly 10 minute bites. Today, I want to talk about electoral reform, and I I just want to start by saying and repeating something that I said last time, that I I genuinely believe that um, that political reform is is a one nation issue. And and a lot of my conservative uh, colleagues, ex-colleagues and whatever, would would quite bulk at a conservative talking about moves towards some sort of proportional representation. But actually, you know, the thing I mentioned in my last podcast was Disraeli um, was um, and, and delivered and helped to deliver political reform. And, and in doing so, he doubled the size of the electorate and he doubled the size of the electorate by effectively putting the working man um, uh, onto the electoral roll. He was given a lot of criticism at that time with people saying that it would wipe out the Conservative Party, it would be the end of the Conservative Party and that sort of argument. And actually it didn't. And I think part of the reason for that is people recognise the Conservative Party did the right thing. But also Conservative values are as applicable to the to the working man if, if you get Conservative values right, as they are to anybody. So, uh, and, and I think history proves that, to be honest. Um, so I do think it's valid to talk about electoral reform, and I suspect there are a lot of conservatives that believe that electoral reform is important. Personally, I think electoral and political reform is something that's needed right from the bottom to the top of our political structure. You know, the idea of two-tier councils and which they've now put elected mayors uh, on top of, which are a good thing, actually, but they have complicated structures. Uh, the demand that there is for reform of the House of Lords with, with so many people. The truth is there's huge dissatisfaction with the way politics is working in the UK. So there's uh, some research from spring last year that shows that 69% of people in the UK are dissatisfied with the way democracy is working. As a politician, um, surely you have to sit up and take notice when those sort of figures come out. More than two-thirds of the people you purport to represent are not happy with your political system. And in Europe, there's only Greece and Belgium where satisfaction is, is lower than it is in the UK. All of that says that we need change and we need top-to-bottom change. But today, basically, I'm going to talk about reform of the House of Commons and reform of the first first past the post as it applies to the House of Commons. But actually, um, when I move towards talking about PR, it's as relevant to local government as it is to to the House of Commons. Um, first thing I want to do is talk about the perceived benefits of first past the post. Um, and I suppose to a certain extent they are benefits, but but actually when you when you examine them, they're not gra- that great. So the first one that people will talk about when you talk about reform is is they like decisive government. Uh, and and the first past the post delivers uh, decisive government because as soon as a party gets over uh, you know gets over um, half the seats in the house of commons you, you know they've got a majority and therefore should be able to deliver an agenda we all know that's not true anymore anyway because members of parliament have uh, rightly to a certain extent uh, developed a conscience but but it's also true that it doesn't deliver decisive government at all. If it delivered decisive government, they would have started to talk and make electoral reform uh, at, at the bottom end, at the very least, at local government level, uh, happen. They would have de- delivered on reform of the House of Lords. More importantly, in my view, they would have delivered on reform of social care, which has been talked about and the desperate need for social care to re- be reformed has been talked about for at least 20 years and successive governments have ducked it and pushed it into the all too difficult box because it is difficult. 
That's not decisive government. That's weak government. The second thing that people talk about is the importance of the constituency link in the current pro, uh, system. The Electoral Reform Society's website talks about this. It demonstrates the different forms of uh, government that there are in this country. And what it clearly shows is actually the first-past-the-post system is not the only system in which you can have a voting system that has a constituency link. But it's also true that the current system, you know, if you've got an MP that, that has 40, 50% of the vote, and you're one of that 60% that voted, um, you know, for either one of the minority parties or for the for the major opposition party in that constituency, do you have ne- confidence necessarily in taking an issue to your local MP? So a lot of people won't, and I know that because I've had those people talk to me in the constituency I live in. The other thing people talk about is the fact that the current system is simple. Well, it, you know, I think that's a bit derogatory, but um, in, in, in effect, you know, you have to put one cross in one box to elect an MP. But so what? Democracy should be right. It shouldn't be simple. It should be something that represents people. And in any case, as I've already talked about, there's a significant number of people that are dissatisfied with the way things are working and, and actually don't trust it and they don't trust politicians. So we've already talked about the fact that the system is broken up, but I want to also go back to the point I made in my first podcast about one nationism, which is we live in a system at the moment where we have two nations. We have a subset of of, of a number of things that are two nationist, a number of which could be dealt with partially by political reform. But one of them is we have two nations as far as politics is, is, is concerned. We have a nation of people whose vote counts and a nation of people whose vote doesn't. So let me expand on that a little bit. We have 316 safe seats in this country, 120 of which in England and Wales have not changed hands since the war. That's really, really uh, says to me that we've got a system that doesn't matter. There are people that will go to a polling station, put a cross against a box, knowing it will not make one jot of difference. That is never going to engender confidence and belief in the system that you work in. There are also a number of other factors related to this. The number of very marginal seats reduced in the 2019 election. The number of safe seats actually increased. And this is despite all the things about the the Red Wall and, and, and the fact that the Conservatives managed to break through in the North. The reality is the number of safe seats has increased. That's, you know, it's not good to have that situation where politicians are sat in seats knowing that there's nothing anybody can do to get rid of them. In the last general election, there were 67 target seats across all the political parties. That is just over 10% of the seats in the House of Commons, where people are putting real effort into trying to win them because there's a real chance of them being overturned. That means the election was basically fought in less than 10% of the country. Now, just think about what that means. It means that manifestos were written with how to win in those 10% of seats in mind. Policy was decided with those 10% of seats in mind. That's not good democracy either. We need to have every single constituency and every single seat fought for in the UK. That would mean that manifestos are written for the whole population. It would also mean that MPs were more accountable in their own seats that they would have to fight an election in their own seat 
rather than having to go and lend their time to to target seats. I think that would make things much better. So there are three things basically that I want to talk about that that I think we need to get out of um, a, a revised political system. The first one is Parliament has to start looking like the population it serves. We still have a real, real deficit in the number of people that went to uh, went to comprehensive schools uh, in Parliament. We still have a real deficit in in the number of ethnic minorities that are represented in Parliament. We still have a deficit in the number of women that are represented in Parliament. And a system where there is more choice and a selection of candidates will deal with that. The second thing is every vote should count or every vote possible is what I would say. You know, you could make an argument to say, why should somebody that receives less than 5% of the vote get a seat in the House of Commons? You could argue how that works uh, when you set up whatever constitution you do when you, when you deliver political reform. But certainly you have to have a situation where when somebody casts a vote in a constituency, it has to have the opportunity to make a difference and to elect somebody of their choice. You certainly have to get away from a situation where people's vote simply doesn't count. The third thing is we need to grow the number of political parties we have. So even if you're a right of a, a, a right of center believer, you should have an option of more than one right of center party. You know, one of the things I was uncomfortable with in the last general election was that the Conservative Party had been hijacked by the libertarian wing of the party. I'm not a libertarian. I, it doesn't libertarianism doesn't make sense to me. Um, I can talk about that later on, but and and in another podcast. But it just doesn't make sense to me. So the Conservative Party really wasn't for me. And at the same time, you know, the alternative to me was Corbynism. Um, and, and I just didn't, you know, and I, I absolutely in no circumstances could vote for Corbyn. So people deserve a spread of political parties. And I think that's one of the things that would come out of a reformed House of Commons. And, and I think probably the most important, because I think that would liven political debate. And it would wake people up to the fact that conservatism is not X and, and the Labour Party is not Y. Uh, conservatism, uh, as it is at the moment, is a number of Xs and, and, and socialism a number of Ys. And in fact... Uh, there are there are people within the Conservative Party who are politically closer to the centre-left members of the Labour Party than they are to a significant number of their own party. That's also true in the Labour Party as well. We've got, we, you know, that doesn't make sense and, and political reform should enable that. I could obviously talk about this forever um, and, and I'll explore it more later on. But what I hope is this giving you a few thoughts about why we need change. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about what a political structure might look like from the top to the bottom that I think would be more acceptable than what we've got now. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to talk, talk about priorities for one nationism and for, for the country. But thanks a lot for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please let other people know this, uh, this podcast exists. And, and thank you very much.